The hero's journey is not just for stories. Do you realize that it can help guide your life? Oh, it certainly can. Today's episode is part three in the Hero's Journey for Writers series. Pack your bags, my friend. We're heading on an adventure. Stick around. Your best writing life begins in 30 seconds. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb, and each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. And on occasion, like today, I get to also bring you a little bit of soul care application here, something that's going to encourage you as a writer in your personal journey. I am so very glad that you're listening in. During this episode, we're going to be looking at our last time together as we cover part three in the hero's journey for writers. And we're going to experience the hero's journey. Pack your bags for adventure. My industry expert is A.E. Jackson. Andrew writes uncanny speculative fiction for your enjoyment. He believes there are malevolent forces just below the surface, tugging us all down. He knows another force, more benevolent than we deserve, works to keep us buoyant. He reads Ray Bradbury, Shirley Jackson, Roland Dow, Stephen King, Paolo Coelho, Richard Matheson, H.P. Lovecraft, and Richard Bach. Andrew lives in Delaware and is married with two children. Andrew Jackson, welcome back to Your Best Writing Life. Linda, it's so good to be with you again. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you, with the audience, and just to discuss this whole topic. It's done a lot for me, so now I want to turn around and share it with other people. Well, we have experienced two episodes so far. We've gotten fantastic feedback from it. I can't wait. My bag is halfway packed because I'm going to have you help to pack the remainder of it for me as we head out on the adventure that we are looking at when for us to personally experience that hero's journey. Those of you listening to Your Best Writing Life for the first time, if this is the first episode that you're on, you're going to have to go back, listen to the other two so that you'll be able to go, ah, that's what they're talking about. Because we went into great detail in the first and second episode of this series. I'm glad that you're here. Just mark somewhere on the podcast that you want to go back and listen to the other two as well. We're going to kick it off with what tools or methods currently exist to equip a writer to undertake their own hero's journey, Andrew. Sure. So a lot of this episode is probably going to get to the nuts and bolts. Like you mentioned, you're going to want to go back and listen to some of those things that f help with our mindset. They help frame our mindset around the hero's journey story structure as something that we're going to use um, to achieve the goals that we set for ourselves. I was one who growing up, uh, although I participated in a lot of activities and got a lot of things accomplished, I was never one to set measurable goals mm -hmm. and then work to achieve them. I just sort of went along with what the adults told me to do or what the expectation was in a certain area of my life. You know, I never sat down and said, let me state a goal and figure out the steps to take to get there. That didn't happen mm -hmm. for me until later in life when I learned about goal setting, uh, how to measure goals and then how to break those goals into actionable steps that I could take to get there in a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> I guess that should right. be stated too. You, you don't want to be on these things forever. You want to set a goal, 
make motion toward getting it accomplished and get it accomplished. Get it behind you and move on to the next big goal. I would say first thing that you want to start packing your bags for adventure is your SMART goal setting. So a SMART goal setting for you has to be something that is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant or relatable, and time-bound. And that was one of the ones that hung me up for a little while. But something that's specific, you should state it in a way that's digestible for you. You can wrap your mind around it. It's not it's not ambiguous or nebulous. It's very, very specific. I will write one short story per week, right? I'm writing short stories. That's the specific goal. It's measurable, one per week. It's achievable. It doesn't look so big that I can't even put my mind or my hands around it. And it's something achievable that I can believe in, right? A goal that's mm. too big uh, that doesn't even, you can't make yourself believe that it's achievable. It's something that you're never going to even approach. And then a relevant or a relatable goal, it's got to be relevant to where you're at in your journey or where you're at professionally as a writer. You don't want to make this first time out of the gate to become a New York Times bestselling author. You might be that good. I'm not going to say you're not that good, but it may not be relevant to where you're at at this point in time in the writer's journey. Plus, becoming that New York Times bestselling author has a lot of outside influence that is required. Mm. You want to do something that's relevant to you, that's relatable to you, something you have some measure of, I hate to say control, but some measure of uh, accountability and input. Does that make right. sense? Oh, absolutely. So you, you're the one moving the 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 ball down the court. You don't want right. to have to rely on sales figures necessarily or a reviewer at the New York Times to put you into that list. So, um, And then finally, time bound. Of course, it's got to be time bound. And this is tricky because sometimes we just say, well, what, it'll happen when it happens. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately... You, you need to give yourself a point in time where you say, I've either made it on this goal or I haven't, and I need to reassess. These SMART goals aren't a complete victory, complete failure mm. status, right? They're not a judgment on you as a person. They're tools to help you get to your goals. So if it's time bound and we reach the end of that time period that we gave ourselves to let's say, publish one short story each week. I get to the end of the week. A lot of life has happened. I didn't. I, I got my outline down, started a few words. I got five, 700 words down. I didn't get the full 1,500 words, but it's the end of the week. Guess what? I'm out of time. Right. But that's okay. I go back and I review my goal and I say, maybe I need to do one short story a month, right? Yeah, yeah that's doable. And I like what you said. It's not a judgment call. It really is helping us to understand what will fit into our day to day. And there's nothing wrong with setting it shorter. I like that you started off with one a week instead of one a month or one a quarter, right? Because that can drag out. And then we're like, oh, we're already bored with it or we forget about it. But when you do it in the shorter time frame, if we hit it, then we go, Wow, I hit Big that. Yes. I could do this every single week. If we don't hit it, then it can maybe, how about one every two weeks? You know, let me see how far I yep. got. You know, I got this far. I could probably do it every two weeks or, or nah, I didn't make it. Okay. A one a month. We're learning, right? And anytime that yep. we are learning, I call this failing well. Yes. Not yes. everyone plans to fail, but I will. I love it every time my child would fail as a young person, because then they would realize, you know what? I can get back up. I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to still move forward. And then we don't fear failure. I think we get in that trap where we just fear that we're not going to be, or that we're not enough. So setting these smart goals helps us to understand, no, I, I can do this. This is possible. I really like yeah, that. Yeah, give you real feedback in the midst of uh, trying to accomplish your stated goal. It's good feedback. And you keep adjusting, um, celebrate the wins, celebrate the victories, but then 
be honest with yourself and make adjustments to those smart goal settings uh, as you find that you haven't reached the outcome that you had hoped. Okay. And make adjustments until you reach the outcome. Celebrate that victory and push yourself a little harder next time. So, in in order to you know, measurable being one of those steps, uh, I found that at times I would get very kind of wishy washy in the midst of moving toward a goal. Like I might want to write a certain length story, send it into a certain publisher, have, you know, wait for that whole cycle to play out until I saw my piece in print. Well, you can get very disheartened when you're not seeing activity. So one thing that I found very helpful, another author recommended keeping track of certain elements of your writing, word count, hours spent editing, um, or time spent editing. Maybe you don't need hours. I find that I need hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. For a minute there, I was just going to go, wow, I guess that leaves me out, but hours, that's a good amount of time. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I I find that a good Excel spreadsheet, a good Google spreadsheet um, helps me to take a look at a couple of chunks that reflect like gauges on an airplane where Mm. I'm at in certain measurable goals. So I want to know, am I doing a certain number of words each week, each month, each quarter? Um, Do I find that I write better in the morning versus the evening? So I'll keep track of a day, the time I start and the time I stop, how many words I accomplished, and then, and, and that's it. That's all I'll record on my word count. Um, on another spreadsheet, I might record okay. uh, the the day that I started and which story I was working on, how many hours I put into editing, and maybe the beginning word count and the end word count, right? Just to see, am I chopping out a lot? Am I am I doing a lot of extra writing that I'm not even using, which sometimes happens? Um, mm-hmm. Or surprise, surprise, maybe I'm not carving out a lot of words. Maybe I'm finding my words the first time through. I'm just refining them, getting better quality. And then when it comes to things that you're submitting, you know, there, there's an old sales adage that you're supposed to go for no. And you, you want to get out there as often as possible, asking people to, to buy as often as possible. The same thing can be said for your writing. You want to submit it when possible as often as possible to as many potential publishers as possible. In the short story world, this is a little different, I know, than the novel or the um, the nonfiction, you know, like a, a, a nice big piece. But in the short fiction world, in short stories, you might have a piece that would work well in several publications. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're allowed to submit um, at the same time to several publications, that's something that I tend to do. So then if someone picks it up, then, you know, I mark that off on my spreadsheet as well. But I always keep track of where I've submitted, how many times a certain piece has been submitted and what the outcome was. Did I get an, uh, did I get a rejection? I'll mark it down. Did I get an acceptance and a a publication date and some type of, um, you know, what, what was my pay or my commission on that piece? I track all of that stuff per piece. Uh, the neat thing is that when you have a piece that's that's written, it's been accepted by a publisher, you've worked through the whole process with their editors, it's gone to print, and it's out there in the world. A lot of times, if you check your contract, you get the rights reverted back to you as the author, and you can start shopping it around again. And you can carve it up into different formats. Maybe it's time right. to turn that popular story into an audio book or an audio story. Maybe it's time to shop it around to different podcasts that look for short form content. You can repurpose those short forms and get them out there again. But when it comes to that one piece, I would then continue to record, continue to track where I'm submitting it. So those are just some, some small tools that I would put in your back pocket there are plenty out there. I have found for myself, simple is better. I tend to overcomplicate things. I tend to look for tools that have the most bells and the most whistles. And of course, if they have a big ticket price, they must be perfect and, and 
no, that's not, that is not the case. A simple spreadsheet only measuring what you want to focus on is the best. And, and that's the truth, Andrew. I think we get caught up in the next shiny thing. And when we're not making progress to begin with, the next shiny thing triggers our mind into a false concept or false narrative of, oh, I'm not accomplishing because I don't have that next shiny thing. So I'm going to spend the money that I don't have on the next shiny thing to get all the bells and whistles that you find out later. I never needed those, but I can say that I have it. And that builds and builds and builds as a negative narrative on us because I bought every shiny thing and I'm still not making progress. I love, I love how you say it. Go back to simplicity, go back to the basics, but make sure that they are measurable, attainable, relatable, that you can track them in, in time. You know, they have to have, they have to have a cutoff time. You've got to have all of this together, but make it so that it's easy to accomplish. Don't, you know, I tend to, I tend to really get in my own way. Yeah. If if, if a spreadsheet is not for you, that's fine. There are web-based apps or mobile device apps that might help you better. If mobile device apps and software is not your thing, that's fine too. A lot of writing software has um, those goal measuring tools in them for word counts and other things. But if that's tripping you up, if that's preventing you from writing, then put them down and Mm. pick up a journal and write down the date and the word count Mm. and move on. Um, Whatever's going to be helpful for you to measure the goals you're moving towards is what I want you to hear. Um, Right. So, so that's, that's That's, the big encouragement. All right. I, I have an additional thought if I can just take a moment to bring it in here. One of the areas that we can apply this concept to as well for writers is what many people utilize when they are trying to change their lifestyle and their eating habits. One of the first questions that you, when you're logging what you're eating or you're logging your activity or you're logging all of this, here's one of the, or two questions to ask yourself, how do I feel before I begin how do I feel after I've finished? I think that's an element that we can also use as writers. We have a project. We're going to sit down. How do I feel about this project? I think that there may be writers that are writing in a genre that's not their genre, or they're writing an article when that's not really what they're excited about. They're writing a, oh, I've got to write this book and I've got this. Maybe they are more short story people, but logging those two questions, how do I feel before I sat down and how do I feel when I've stopped for the day? That to me can be a benefit. Does Would that fit into what it is absolutely. that you're suggesting that we do? Yep, absolutely. One of the first... uh goal setting and goal journaling tools that I used was, um, it was called the, uh, hundred days to freedom or hundred day freedom journal, something like that. And that was one of the things that they told you to do was to, Oh, you know, if you're measuring time, if you're measuring an amount on your goal, then also measure that, that sense of feeling or accomplishment, get, get that in there as well. It doesn't feel as tangible, But when you look back on your track record and you see, well, that was a high point. Look at that. I sailed along for two weeks, just like on rocket fuel. I felt great. You know, everything was sunny and roses. Um, Oh, look. And then I, and then I started to move into this phase of the project and I really felt down. It's good to reflect on that. That's one of the big reasons why you measure anything is because Mm. you need to go back and reflect on it. If you're failing to reflect on what you've done, then you're going to miss some really key indicators about yourself, 
and really key indicators about areas you can improve or even miss the things that you're really, really good at. Mm. So you'll, you'll miss those big accomplishments. You'll miss those things that are, that are for you standout, exceptional elements about yourself. And so looking back on what you've achieved helps you to recognize that you've got some really incredible standout qualities. So. Amen. Amen. And each of you do. We're just telling you that right now. You do. You have amazing standout qualities. We want you to be able to reflect on that. Right. So you kicked us off. This is a great start. Do that smart goal setting. Let's look at that. Let's get that and into our uh, bag. We're packing. We're packing for our adventure. So we have that. Now, what about books? I know that we discussed some books in a previous episode, but what about books or lessons that would be specific to enhance our personal hero's journey? Mm -hmm. So I can remember some of the first things I heard when I got to a writer's conference was, um, you know, and this is going to shake a lot of people loose, wake up earlier, right? I thought, oh no, I can't possibly wake up any earlier. You know, I'm already getting out of bed at eight or nine o'clock. What's before eight or nine (laughs) o'clock? I have to tell you, I have to tell you, there's a whole world before eight and nine o'clock. I didn't realize it until I picked up um, The Morning Miracle by Hal Elrod. It's a wonderful little book. I think I listened to the audiobook version. Um, and then when it became available, I ran out and I got a copy of The Miracle Morning for Writers, How to Build a Writing Ritual that Increases Impact and Income. And uh, Hal Elrod partnered with a couple of other um, accomplished writers and coaches to dial in the morning, the, the Miracle Morning, specifically to the needs of writers. Mm. So I'd recommend either of those. And, you know, and getting back to shiny bells and, and, and paying a lot for tools. I think probably the majority of the books that I'm going to recommend or that I have recommended are on the shelves at your public library. Don't forsake the public library. It is a vast storehouse of knowledge and it's, it's right there at your fingertips. Um, so the miracle morning is a great tool to read through and apply to your life. And, um, and then, and then, you know, not everybody's a morning person, but they talk about that in, in the miracle morning. It, it, it's this idea that you set a schedule that's best for you, right? So if your miracle morning starts at 5 PM, that's fine, but get a routine in place that's helping you to be at your peak performance and accomplish what you want to accomplish in the goals that you're trying to achieve. Right. Um, for how okay, now you, said, now you said 5 p.m., but I'm thinking that yes. you meant 5 a.m. Because no, if, or, or if that, your, oh, your morning started, can start at 5 p.m. That's right. Sweetness. That's right. Sweet. I know. Right. So now everybody's back. Right. They're at the table again. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it, that's so really good. Like, it's like it's like yeah. people who eat breakfast food for lunch or for right. dinner. And some people will say, well, you. You can't eat that. That's breakfast food. Right. You're but like, if it works for but you, it, it works for me, right? Right. P- beautiful, yep. beautiful. Yeah. There's some some great lessons in there about it about the whole day starting early and being um being morning, but there are times in our lives that just doesn't suit. And so the takeaway is that you're finding the best schedule for your best output, right? Mm. Um, and it's not it's not even a productivity focused book. It's about you uh, performing at your peak because you're getting the amount of rest you need. You're dialing into when you're the most creative or the most productive or the most alert. It, it's that type of thing. So it helps okay. you build your schedule and, and, and follow it. So Beautiful. another one is called um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, Atomic Habits was kind of revolutionary for me. Uh, because we always hear the topic of habits is being ba- painted kind of in a bad light, right? I've got this bad habit. I've got that bad habit. Um, habits, when 
when reoriented towards goals that we want to achieve and then stacked together so that Mm -hmm. one habit kind of leans on the next habit, it, it really kind of slicks the track for you. So you wake Mm. up in the morning and you've got this set of five or 10 little habits that you do. And in your mind, right, (laughs) you can kind of trick yourself into, into going into all of these habits and getting them done, getting them accomplished much more swiftly when you string them together. And so Atomic Habits teaches you how to do that, how to build these things that kind of um, one habit started once it's accomplished, kind of leans into the next habit and, and you automatically get started on that next one with almost out and without even realizing it. So you might go from your Bible reading time to your journaling time to your creative writing time to your article review writing time. And here you've gone, rather than break these things up throughout your day, now you've gotten these habits accomplished in the stroke of you know two hours rather than six hours of little broken apart segments where you have to stand up, Mm. sit down, refocus. Um, Each of these habits strung together helps you to accomplish more. So it's, that's a great one too. I like that Um, a lot. It reminds me of what I do in the mornings, but mine starts, well, actually it starts in the evening as we're preparing to retire for the evening I go through, I prepare the coffee. Once I've prepared the coffee, then I move Sam's jug that I have to fill with ice closer to the refrigerator. That's closer Mm -hmm. to the refrigerator. The other item that I have to get, it's brought out, it's set in place. And, and it's, and it is, it's like little tiny habits. But when I get up in the morning, I go boom, 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 boom. It's all set in place. And I don't even think about it. So It helps with efficiency. It helps. It helps like with efficiency. It helps with um, momentum is the big Mm -hmm. thing with atomic habits. You get this momentum going and then you're before you know it, you're moving through the things that you need to accomplish in a day. Or if again, if you're working on a writing habit or a writing goal, it it moves you through those things so that you can get them, you know, uh, tackled easier. the next one Beautiful. is a fun one because it's based on gaming. And I don't know how many people are gamers out there, but this author, Jane McGonigal, she was a gamer, right? She liked her video games. She liked her card games and board games with friends. And she had a tragic accident. And um, she was in the hospital for, I forget how long, but she had major brain damage, right? And there was going to be a long road to recovery for her. And so it was emotional damage as well as physical damage. And that road to recovery, when it started, seemed overwhelming to her until I think it was her sister-in-law suggested maybe they make a game of it and maybe they break down her recovery into really achievable chunks with many fun rewards, right? Like you have in a game. Um, you know, you might remember like Mario Brothers, right? You run along, you, you you know, escape a few enemies and then you find a power up. Oh, now you're excited all over again because you're a little stronger. Then you keep going and you, you get across a few obstacles, beat a few more enemies, and then you reach the end of the level. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. You were challenged and you overcame the challenge. And in doing so, you're primed to try a new challenge. And that new challenge is just a little more difficult than the previous one. Well, so she looked at this and they broke apart her recovery. She did recover very well. And they broke apart her recovery and said, well, what was it about getting better and applying gaming theory to it that, that kept me motivated, kept me moving? Um, towards a swifter and a better, more full recovery. And so she wrote a book called Super Better. And it's it's all about approaching um, getting stronger, happier, braver, and more resilient through the science of games. And it's a very mm. powerful book. It's a lot of fun too. Um, so it's called Super Better. And I, I really recommend that one. Excellent. Um. So do you, do you play many games, Linda? Well, I I have gamer children 
Yeah. I have a grandchild who he creates games and he's been doing it since he was seven years old. Oh my God. His mom allowed him to create a YouTube page. He started teaching without talking, teaching other people how to create the the characters in a game, how to do this, this. No one has any idea how old he is, but he has thousands wow. of followers and they ask wow. him questions all the time. How do you do this? And he just would type in there. You do this, this, you follow this and you do. But he's done that since he was tiny. And yeah. I, I had played games when they first came out and this was on floppy disk years ago, some of the first you you're too young for that, but some of the first games (laughs) that that came out on computers. (laughs) And for me, I just got really preoccupied with them. And Uh so I was like, man, that, that takes a lot of my, that's too much of my energy, too much of my time, but I can certainly see how this super better breaking it down and and into the chunks of what we can accomplish and they're building blocks for us and i also i'm i'm familiar with super mario i'm familiar with so many of the games my our youngest son his bride they also are gamers and you know of course my other grandies are are gamers as well and to be able to see how their mind works and how they can process quicker I can yeah. see how this would be a benefit. Yep, yep. So you don't have to be a gamer for this to apply to you. It's just um, that they use that context for the uh, the physical, mental, and emotional recovery that she needed at the time. And then they saw the benefits to her, and they thought this could be applied on a much larger scale. And now it's helped you know countless people to achieve better goals or to grow in their own um, in, in their own areas of life where they wanted to get stronger, better, and, uh, more resilient. So, so pretty cool stuff. This is great. Yeah. So a couple more things to toss in your bag. Okay. Um, I just found one that I have been working with for the past year or so. It's called start finishing by Charlie Gilkey. And I thought at first, don't pick that up. It's going to be another book that you're going to read and you're not going to apply it. And to be honest, I was worried that that was going to be the, the result after I read it the first time. But I couldn't get the lessons he taught out of my mind. Ah. So I went, I went back through and I said, okay, let's apply this to a single goal. And I started to you know, jot it down. I started to apply it to some things at work. And lo and behold, his method worked really well. Um, so not only do they have a book and kind of a daily, weekly, monthly planner that you can utilize, um, you know, print out and utilize, but they also have an app, uh, called the momentum app and it's, um, web and mobile device enabled so that you can uh, put all your information, all your planning in one place. And it's with you where you, wherever you go throughout the day. So start finishing is great. It's, it's how to go from idea to done. And so for a writer, that's perfect. We have endless ideas, right? But these ideas without action, they're, they're worthless. They just, they remain ideas. That's right. They remain in the cloud. They really aren't going to accomplish anything. No, they're not. And so we've got to find ways to get them out of our mind, onto paper, through the editing process, into the publisher's hands and out to our readers. And that's where this idea to done um, methodology comes into play. Um, so starting start finishing by Charlie Gilkey. Gilkey, it really is a good book. It really is a good book. So excellent. So right now we more. have. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna. I'm gonna recap. Right now we have the morning miracle and the miracle morning for writers, mm-hmm. and then we have atomic habits. We have super better start finishing. And then also the Momentum app is available. And and folks, he, he, we're not saying go out and get all of these. No. Re, re, research them, look at them, and see what's going to work for you. And again, use your public library. We're writers. We need to be readers. 
Utilize the library. We can do that. Very good. All right. So you yeah. have a couple yeah. more. Just two that are very specific to the writing community. A book that helped, or and it's short. Um, it's called 5,000 Words Per Hour by Chris Fox. I don't know if you've ever measured how many words you write per hour, but, um, you know, you used to, used to, in a typing pool, they would find out how many words per minute you could type. And that would, that would judge like what your value was to the company. Right. And, um, right. You know, now you, of course you could speak words and all of that, but what this author is talking about is actual typed written words, uh, and not just junk words, but words that you have an intention of moving forward. Um, you know, to be edited and, and revised 5,000 words per hour. It's a pretty big accomplishment, but he breaks it down and he explains some ways to measure what you're writing, um, to clear the decks and get distractions out of the way, that type of thing. Uh, his name is Chris Fox, and this is 5,000 words per hour. And then one of my favorite writing coaches is M L Ron R O N N. And he came up with a little book called Be a Writing Machine, Write Faster and Smarter, Beat Writer's Block, and Be Prolific. Um, and he is. He's a great self-published writer. He's got a number of pieces out, um, and he also is out there on the speaking circuit. So Be a Writing Machine is a wonderful uh, little kind of a journal book that you can get, and and it really is very encouraging. So. Oh, that's beautiful. And we have links to all of these books in the show notes. So you'll be sure that you, or be assured that you'll have links to them. You don't have to remember remember them all right here and right now. All right, this is so great. Now we're moving forward and we're going to be looking at what are the five side quests which support our personal hero's journey. And these are side quests right now. Yeah, so we looked before at the entire hero's journey story structure, and there were some major key points in that, right? Your major conflict, your major resolution. When you um, when you grabbed that uh, scepter or that golden crown, and then you had to run back um, and cross the threshold again to get back to your village or whoever it was you were trying to save, right? Right. But along the way you're going to come up against smaller quests or side quests as we call them in gaming. And I broke these down into some side quests or minor journeys that you can um, define for yourself. You know, you don't have to pick all of these up, but I found that some of these side journeys are worth the traveling because you're going to equip yourself with supports that you would not otherwise have and that you're going to be thankful for in the end. Mm. And so real quickly, these five are to find a muse, to find a champion, to find a few companions, to find a community, and to find a following. And so we can dive into those real quick. Um, sure. A muse, you know, this is the one that like kind of, we always say that, I write with the muse or the muse brought me a new idea or this type of thing. But this inspiration, this mentor, this other, like this creative being that excites us, um, you can find a muse in your world. Where you're at mm. right now, you may not have someone who inspires you, a mentor who calls you up to be more, or another creator who you can bounce ideas off of, you know, who, right. who kind of pulls things out of you that you didn't even know existed. Um, and so, so that's one side journey is to find a muse. Um, and this person will exemplify the outcome that you hope to attain in your spirit. You'll see it in them before, before they even point out that it was you all along that called it out in them. Right. right. It's this amazing right. relationship. And so, so find a muse, go out on a search and find that person who has that inspirational spirit for you. Then I would recommend trying to find a champion. A champion in in the in the Middle Ages, 
if you've ever gone to one of those jousting events, have you ever gone to like a Renaissance yes. festival or um, what do they yes. call that? Where you go and you eat the big turkey leg, you know? And so when the princess or the queen was up there on the stand and she had her hand, the little handkerchief and she would kind of dangle it out there and she'd say, who will be my champion? Right. Well, what she's looking for is one of those nights to really take charge, win the entire day and represent her. Even if there was no romantic involvement, he was supposed to say, I'm doing this for you. I'm mm. championing this for you. My whole purpose out here today is for you. And so this side quest calls you, the writer, the person with a goal, to find that champion. A person who believes in you even when you doubt yourself. They encourage your writing. They see more in you than you see in yourself. So this champion may not even be one of your loyal readers, but it can help. They see the joy that you have when you're writing and when you're getting things published. And so they are committed to always having your back and they're always willing to sacrifice to see that you get what you need to pursue your writing. That's a champion. That's someone who goes to bat for you every time and is out there clearing the way, protecting you and your writing time and cheering you on. And then you say that we need to find a few companions. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, you are one of my companions, Linda. Believe uh -huh. it or not. I am. <laughs> you are. You're an ally. You're a partner in crime and creativity with me. We run together. We face adversity together. We grow together and we succeed together. These are people who you find um, you can collaborate on work together. You can be accountable to one another, right? Like we wouldn't have shown up for this interview if we didn't both agree to it. And we both saw that we would be able to, you know, commit to it. We're here together. We're doing this work. It, it's a together thing. Um, right. If you look back at Lord of the Rings and you've got Frodo, he's challenged with carrying that ring into the fires and he could have gone it alone, right? But no, Gandalf pulled together a whole fellowship of the ring. And then when it got down to the very last moments when they were going to cast that ring into the fires, it was his friend Samwise Gamgee who stood beside him, his companion. So you want these companions on this journey with you. The, this is not your champion, right? This is not your muse. They play a different role. These companions are down in the dirt with you. They're facing the same adversity. Mm -hmm. um, you can call each other out on the lies and failures that you would otherwise ignore in yourself, right? Because they know they know that the outcome is greater than what we're facing right now. And they want to get right. there with you. Right. So, so they're there to help build you back up when you fall down. And, uh, and likewise, you're there for them. Companions are probably one of the most important roles in, in these five side quests. Um, I, and I can see that as being such a strength for me, not having to explain myself, just having someone who says, I get that. I get that. And this is where we are, but they don't necessarily leave me where, where I am. They're going to challenge me because I know they're not just saying something to make me feel good. They're, mm -hmm. It's like you said, they're down in the dirt too. So they get it. And maybe yeah. I have a few that are, are dirtier. <laughs> <laughs> and I have some that have come out and they've taken a shower. So, you know, they're like, no, come on over to this side. You're going to, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. But having that companionship, especially in the writing industry, because it is naturally a lonely place, unless of course you're fiction writers and then you have lots of characters <laughs> to keep you company, but <laughs> having, <laughs> having those companions. And I like that you said, few. You know, yeah. I, I think of Jesus and he had his inner three. He had his inner three. And that's where he spent a lot of his intimate time, a lot of his precious time. 
And then he had his outer 12 and then he had the masses. And, Mm -hmm. but with those inner three, in my kind of my perspective, I liken that to having a few champions because I can have a champion who champions my physical health. I could have a champion who champions my um, relational health. And then I have a champion who does my, who champions my writing, my writing yeah. health. So I yeah. can see how this yeah. works. This is fantastic. So and two more quick side quests. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep. You want to find a community. This is support, encouragement. They're on the same or a similar path as you. Um, there's camaraderie there. You can share resources. Your best writing life listeners. That is one community. Uh, your favorite conference that you attend, you see the same folks every year, right? They're not quite companions, but they're a community. And you're going through things together. You're growing together. Um, you're offering resources to one another. Uh, that community can be vital. And so you need to find a community. That's a good side quest. And then this last one is important as well, because without it, um, I, I really don't feel that I would be able to reach some of the goals I've stated for myself as a writer, you need to find a following, right? And this is a small cluster of loyal readers or a group of people that are always expecting your next piece of work. And keep in mind, your readers, they're not necessarily your muse or your champion or your companions or even in your community. That community of writers is facing writer stuff, right? They they are um, all wrestling with the changes between print and digital and between digital and audio. And they're wrestling with when a publishing house goes out of business, right? That's community issues. This find a following, when you find and build a following, what you're doing is, is zeroing in on those people who are going to support your career as a writer. These are going to be people who um, are constantly asking, What's next? And when will it be ready? Because I need to read it. <laughs> right, right. And I can't so that wait for it to come you. out. Right. That's right. Yep. So this is, this is great. Find a muse, find a champion, find a few companions, find a community, find a following. This yeah. re- we're filling up our bag here. Andrew, yes. I tell you, I'm yeah. I'm about ready to head off on that adventure. And I know that you tell us celebrating because you've you mentioned that a few times, right? You you hit a goal, celebrate. You accomplish this, celebrate. And yes. So explain or share with us if you would, why is celebrating the start of your personal hero's journey so important? Well, one of the things that <clears throat> one of the things that people of faith did in the Old Testament when they faced major adversity and God saw them through it, He provided a way, He provided sustenance, He provided um, resolution to the conflict in their story. Is that they celebrated not only what they had come through but they celebrated by turning to him in thanksgiving. They celebrated him. They celebrated what he did. And they said, thank you to him in loud praise. This is just as important in your work and in your attempt to um, reach your goals and Mm. to walk out your hero's journey. When you resolve to start your journey and you step off into the wild to face the unknown, all those conflicts that are going to come your way, it's important to celebrate that step-off point. You have to mark the occasion as the moment when things began to change for you. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, I'm going to keep referencing this movie. It's just great. But, or, and the, and the books too, but Lord of the Rings, right? When they were at the party for Bilbo Baggins, And he says, it's time for me to take my departure, right? He was going to leave the ring behind. And that kicks off the moment when Gandalf approaches Frodo and says, I need you 
to take on this burden and I need you to destroy the ring, right? Hmm. That all happened right around the moment of a big celebration. So there was a huge celebration. We, we got Gandalf there. We got uh, the, the birthday party was celebrated. Frodo fireworks. and Samwise, fireworks, everything. It was all there. And, and it's because um, Tolkien wanted to put a momentous moment in the mind of the reader and in the heart of Frodo and Samwise Gamgee before they set off into the dark unknowns, right? Mm. They could think fondly on the Shire. They could think fondly on their memories. There was a moment in time where they said, no, right then, right there was when we committed to this. Let's let's keep going forward for what we have left behind, right? So th- mm. this will be a moment that you'll look back on um, as the moment that it all began. Your family and your friends, your future companions, your future followers, right? They'll all want to know your story. How did you get to this point? Well, it started back when. And so you can mark that that moment. And when you start to form some definition for yourself around these aspects of a hero, right? When you start to say, when you start to own these aspects and you see yourself as a hero and you start to name your muse and your champion and your companions in your community, when you start to take on um, those different stages of the hero's journey and you see yourself in them, some of those elements may change based on what you learn along the way. And you have to be flexible. You have to be open to that change as new realizations come to light about about who you are, about Mm. what you're able to accomplish, and about maybe where the journey takes an unexpected turn. Because like we talked about before, once you're in motion, God can start to work with you. But when you're sedentary, you know, you're a stagnant lake, right? You're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. He can't, he can't, he can always use you. But I'm saying that when you're in motion, he can then help direct our steps. Amen. So amen. that's, that's why I say you should celebrate. It puts that milestone there and lets you remember it and know that it was an important decision. And I get a visual with that, you know, again, in scripture, when there was a time of celebration and they would use stone markers, when something important happened, they would mark it with stones and they would stack them and say, this is for us to remember and celebrating God in our lives, celebrating where God has brought us from, what he has brought us to, how he is also guiding our steps in what it is that he wants us to accomplish in his kingdom, for his kingdom, how to reach others. And writing is an amazing vessel, that uh, amazing tool, amazing Mm. outreach into the communities of the world where when someone reads, when someone listens to an audiobook, when someone hears words come to life, it touches them when they're by themselves. It, it, it reaches into the depth of them and can actually kickstart an adventure in and of itself. So if we are riding with the mindset of walking out our hero's journey in our personal lives, I think that ignites our reading or our writing in a way that it could not if we just plod every single day. Okay, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm going to do. What do you do? I'm a writer and I do this, da, da, da. When we see more than I think it explodes our vision. And as you said, God then can do so much with us and through us because we're already packed and we're on the adventure. And he's going to say, oh, what's happening around the corner? You don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. So keep going, keep going, because I have got something for you that is just going to, oh, you're going to write it on about, you know, 
40 pages. So keep going. <laughs> and, and he, he does, he prompts us for that exact individual who sits down and views what father has placed in us and says, that was written for me. Mm -hmm. That was written for just this moment. And that's in poetry, fiction, nonfiction, screenwriting. It's in every aspect of the written word. God is all about the word. And yeah. with his word, all things were created. And using our words that he places on our hearts, what an amazing adventure, Andrew. You have given us so much. This I love how all of this has come together. And I do. I, I get excited. I'll go straight back to the Lord of the Rings with you, too. And we're right at the end of the first one, right? Where you have um, uh, Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins, when, yeah. Yeah, Bilbo, the elves are there. They've got the ship. And my husband, Sam, he always quotes this one. They have the ship and he's looking up and he goes, I think I'm ready for another adventure. And so that's what he, you know, I'm ready for a new adventure. I'm going to go off on a new adventure. And if we can capture that emotion, that excitement, then it can't help but ignite our writing, refresh it, bring mm -hmm. it to life. Give us one more reason to get up and to apply what God has placed in our hearts. Such a beautiful concept. And beyond concept, this is doable. Which mm, brings very. us to the giveaway that you have you for our it. listeners. I want you to share that if you would. Sure. Well, I want to invite each of you to begin your own hero's journey. And to do that, you can simply visit uh, aejackson.com slash journey. And on that webpage, you can sign up for a simple email series that will guide you along the way. I'll become your guide, right? Like we've discussed. And you will step into the role of the hero. Even if you don't believe yourself a hero yet, the hope is that taking these few email series steps, answering a few questions for yourself, kind of analyzing where you want to go and what you want to achieve, We'll start entering into that hero's journey together. And before long, you'll be, you'll be on your own, stepping through the paces of that story structure and picking up the characters along the way, you know, resolving your own conflicts, going after those major accomplishments and putting them in your backpack and heading back over the threshold to tell people what you've learned about yourself and to excitedly tell them where your writer writer's journey has come. So I really, I do. And I invite every one of you listening to take your own hero's journey and let me be your guide on that. Hmm. So good. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Andrew. This has been a joy and it just makes me smile. I hope everyone can see that, that I am smiling as I am partaking in this moment. And just thank you that you were obedient to father when he said, I think this is something that my writing children need. And mm. you said, I'll take up that gauntlet. I will step yeah. over. I'll grab that ring and I'll That's take it. it on a journey and we'll see, we'll see where, where it goes and offering to be our guide and to help us along. Just fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. Well, you're welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to meeting many of you guys uh, as we step out on this hero's journey together. Absolutely. We are not alone. You're developing a community, developing a community. So that's fabulous. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, my friends, for joining us. 
Please take a moment, if you would, to share this podcast with another writer or two. I mean, share it with a half a dozen. That's okay. I'm happy about that. Give us a star rating, post an episode review, and be sure to hit the subscribe button or follow whatever your podcasting platform allows. I greatly appreciate what you have to say about your best writing life as much as I appreciate what you choose to write for Father and His Kingdom. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life. Your Best Writing Life.